And so um, this evening, again, we're in the Old Testament. We're in Leviticus chapter 20. So uh, please, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to Leviticus chapter 20. And um, the title of this evening's message is Be Holy. God repeats, Be Holy. Because this is, this is uh, repeated. We saw this. We're seeing actually this uh, to be a continued theme throughout the book of Leviticus. Um, this is a, a book of holiness. How it is that in holiness we are to worship the Lord. And how it is that God lays that out for us. The requirements of worshiping Him correctly. There is a way that God has really prescribed for God's people to worship Him. Not in just any way, but in a certain way. And, and so we are to be holy as God is holy. We are to be consecrated as He, is, he has sanctified us. And He is sanctifying us. He's doing the work. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, we read, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Father, we, um, we truly need to keep that in mind. Lord, we, uh, especially in, in light of the darkness of this world, uh, the state in which it's in, Lord, how it is that darkness is all around us and it's getting darker and yet in that darkness we know that your light will shine that much brighter we need to remain close to you and walk in step with you your word tells us that you order the steps of the righteous and and so lord i pray that this evening you help us to be encouraged by your spirit in your word to be holy separated unto you a people who are peculiar in the right way. And Lord, that you are honored and glorified in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would even reveal things that perhaps may be a compromise. Things that ought not be a part of a child of God a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to commit this evening into your hands, this time of studying your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding. And Lord, that your word would penetrate our hearts and do that special work that only you and your word can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, God desires that we as His people would, would reflect His image. We, we are his, his image bearers. We are His ambassadors. We are in a foreign land representing our homeland. And so we are called to reflect His image, to speak only those things which our homeland, are. King would have us to speak for His glory, to represent Him, and not misrepresent Him, not at any time, not in any place, not in any way. But that's a tall order, isn't it? That's very difficult to keep to. And yet, the closer we get to the Lord through His Word, you could say, He's with us, but... What I'm saying is, as we come to know His Word more intimately, more accurately, we come to the knowledge and understanding of how to apply God's truth to our lives, to His glory. We understand those things that are shameful toward the Lord. And we can better cling and grasp those things and walk with in the truth of God's word, that which brings him glory. God's message, you see, this evening is one of separation. 
The book of Leviticus is one that explains how it is that God is to be worshipped, as I said earlier, by living a holy life separated unto Him. I did not say perfect life, by the way. Because we can't live perfect lives this side of heaven. But there is a way in which we can live our lives that would be considered by God Himself to be holy lives separated unto Him. Consecrated. Chapter 18, as we went through that, was a, a list of the do-nots that we're covering this evening, the consequences of such actions. Such things as sexual immorality, the worship of Moloch, necromancy and false worship, and a few other things this evening. So, again, the whole point of this is holiness. Holiness. Remember that God is is telling Moses, pass along to the people, these are my commandments, these are my laws, to keep them, to walk in them, that you, my people, might be separated unto me. I am your God. There, besides me, there is no other. So he laid out the law. The law is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Thank God that we don't have to keep it in order to earn merit, favor with the Lord. It is all by grace that we have been saved through faith. Not of our own works, lest we can boast about it, right? And yet this law is beautiful in and of itself. So let's take a look at the first five verses here, which reference child sacrifice. Verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Moloch to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Moloch and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Moloch. Child sacrifice, that's what we're talking about here. The worship of Moloch. It involved... The giving of children into the hands of a metal statue. Heated so hot that it was a fiery red. At the same time, there was the drumming of drums so loud that they were perhaps attempting to drown out the cries of the babies who were being sacrificed in the arms of Moloch. These were children who were born as a result of sexual sexual immorality. They were being the ones placed into the arms of this statue. This idol that they were worshipping. But you and I both know that the idol only represents the God that we have already created in our own hearts. It wasn't the statue. It, it, was, it was our hearts. It was their hearts that were darkened. It's their hearts that, uh, that turned to this act, this heinous act of sacrificing these children. Why? Because it was inconvenient to have these children at the time. It, it, would, it would hamper their... Well, their... Their worship of sexual immorality, of the things that they had been given themselves to. And the Lord was communicating to Moses and to his people that this was not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. This was completely unacceptable. There were no clauses to justify this heinous act. It was an act that demanded severe punishment within the people of God or anyone that lived among them. 
They had the people who would come and, and they would maybe serve in the homes of the Israelites. They were required to adhere to the law just as anyone else were of the Israelites, of God's people. The people of the land, as was referred to here, suggests that there was a legislative council that was established to act on behalf of the nation of Israel to carry out the punishment for such an act. If the person or persons were found guilty of this, they were to be handed their judgment and given over to capital punishment. In this case, they were to be stoned to death. Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 and 14. Then the children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. In other words, he, he did the very thing that they came to him for. He laid his hands on them and prayed over them. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. You see, this whole act, number one, God has, there's a special place in God's heart, you could say, in a manner of speaking, for these innocent children. But there's always a place in God's heart for those who don't know any better and are led astray by those who know better. You see, God wishes that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Even the Apostle Paul made every effort to not cause anyone to stumble. Hey, if eating meat causes my brother to stumble, I won't eat meat again. If whatever it is causes someone else to stumble, I I won't do it anymore. I, I won't use my freedom as license to sin. But these children, they're innocent. They're just handed over to death. They're murdered. That's what, they, that's what was happening with them. Now, we covered this uh, in previous chapters, right? And I had pointed out that this very thing is happening today. A lot of people, they have all kinds of different gods. There's pluralism going on in our world today. And people are doing the very same thing. There's the, you know, one of the things that was brought up in just conversation with other pastors is um, the whole burning man. You guys heard of that? The burning man. It's just a a big party. Um, Like Ryan Reese said, it, it made Woodstock look like a school playground. You know, just so much going on. Drugs and sex and anything goes out there. And if if anything comes of it or any other act outside of it, then the children are given over to abortion. By the way, it's legal. But when, when when does life start? The point of conception. In the womb. There, there is no point along the way that you could say, well, that's not a life. No, it's God who says, this is life. And, and, and I knew you before the foundations of the earth. Each and every person. No, this is, this is murder. That's the bottom line. It's murder. It's, it's nothing else. You, you can't make any other case. They were doing it then. It's happening today. But what the Lord is saying is, this is not to be among the people of God. 
Outside the church, they do all kinds of things. Okay, don't expect them to do different. They don't know any different. They just follow along with everyone else. But within the church, this ought not to be a part of any one of us, right? Because we have understanding. We have God's wisdom. We have God's truth before us. And so God is saying, no, this is an abomination, Do not do this. The sacrificing of children among God's people defiles the very place of worshiping God by their presence. You are guilty of this and you come in to worship before the Lord? No, you defile that very place that we are to worship God. It declares that God's name is common and not holy. And this act is therefore an abomination to God. And God was spelling out very clearly, this is not to take place among my people, period. He also said if they fail to follow through with judging the act, God himself will step in and bring judgment upon the guilty. You see, God will not look away from such an act. We know that he sees all things, But this especially, he was saying, for this, I won't turn away from it. I myself will judge that act. And God said that he will not only judge the guilty party, but all who worship this type of evil worship of personal convenience by sacrificing children. All who follow are guilty themselves of the very thing That they're allowing. That they're turning a blind eye to. Not only that. But if you notice here. It says here that. Then I will set my face against that man. And against his clan. And cut them off from among their people. You see this activity also. Impacts. Those that you influence. Directly. You overlook some things, you look the other way, you compromise, and the Lord is telling them, no, no, don't do that. You will impact their lives just as much as it will impact your life. Just don't do that. And so he warns against that. And by the way, this is all a warning. This is laying out the laying out of God's law. This is beautiful mercy even before our eyes right here. Continue on in verse 6. He says, if, is a, if a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. We're going to stop there. Be holy. You're going to hear this over and over. Be holy. Be holy. Be holy. How many times do you need to be reminded to be holy? I I know. I do. I I need that reminder a lot. You know, like Ray was saying, you know, I have to tell you that you mentioned driving. But I know, you know, I've heard it said, you know, sin will keep you from this book and this book will keep you from sin, right? Which, it, it's, a, it's a nice thought. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, really understand that we all, even as we keep our, our faces and our hearts buried in God's word, that we will fall short. Okay? But there's this process that God is working out in our lives, is, is, is conducting in our lives to purify us, to strengthen us, to help us to be able to work through things in such a way that we glorify Him. Holiness is is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. It is something that we ought to look to every day. Like I said earlier, not perfection, but holiness. A conscientious and real separation unto the Lord. It takes effort. It takes diligence. 
It takes consistency. It takes an intimacy and a humility in the life of repentance. That's what it takes. So yeah, I need to be reminded often. Be holy because that person could cut me off. And they did today. So you just kind of go along and then you pass them up so they don't cut you off again. But God, once again here, was addressing the command to completely withdraw from anything occultic, anything magical, and to withdraw from those that practice such things. God didn't tell Israel to do anything in this case, by the way. If you notice that. But that God himself would cut them off from his people. So the warning was, do not find yourself doing this or being among these people or you will be cut off. Really is the bottom line. Don't find yourself doing the very thing that I'm saying is an abomination, is blasphemous. Proverbs chapter 6 verses 27 and 28 says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? And Paul writes to the Corinthians, But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. 1 Corinthians 5.11 Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Those who poke and prod and mock. Those who are given to sinful acts. Those who are just plain wicked and evil and dark and perverse. Blessed is the man who does not walk in their counsel. Lives life with them. Blessed is the man. But instead he meditates on the word of God day and night. He abides in it. He's deeply rooted, so much so that the living water is feeding him and nourishing him. The word of God, the truth of God's word, he's abiding in. Now, one of the, the examples that we have of people who, who removed themselves from occultic acts is found in Acts chapter 19. And in Acts chapter 19, we're looking at the church in Ephesus. And they were a a very worldly, this was a very worldly place, a place of commerce. Uh, There was a lot of money in this city. And this was to the Ephesians, and this is what the Ephesian Christians did. In Acts chapter 19, verse 17. It says, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. There's something special about uh, repentance and confession and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to where when we act on that, that the Lord blesses that. Because as we see here, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. That's why I keep saying over and over, and you'll hear me say it from time to time, we as Christians ought to live a life of repentance, complete humility before the Lord, daily surrender. And here God was saying, hey, listen, be holy. Withdraw from these things. Do not become a part of them. Consecrate yourselves unto the Lord and be holy. For I, your Lord, 
where I, the Lord, are your God. That's what he was telling them. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, the things that they were participating in were things that were opposed to Jesus and denied the sufficiency of Christ altogether in Acts in the church of Ephesus. And these were the very things that were denying the lordship of God, the Lord of the people of Israel. You you want to worship these gods? Well, you're denying my lordship in your lives. That's what you're doing. You're separating yourself from me. You're not separating yourself unto me. So consecrate yourselves. God sanctifies you. We are to be conscientious of separating ourselves from those things that are not of God. And in doing so, we give ourselves to Him to do the work of sanctification. He does the work of sanctification. We don't do it by our will. Like I've said before, it's not mind over matter. It's not, you know, I'm going to confess this over and over and over again, and then it becomes a reality. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's, a, it's a submission to the work of the Lord that He's doing in your life. Hebrews 2.11 says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. 1 Thessalonians 4.3-5 says, For this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We need to always keep before us that unswerving obedience to God's commands because this is one indication of a sanctified life in, not only in the Old Testament, but also now in the New Testament. It's the same thing. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God, having complete reverence toward Him, understanding how it is that we are to worship Him. Hebrews 12.14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And for us young guys, Psalm 19, 119, 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Make every effort to abide in Christ and to give yourself to Him to do His work in your life. To be molded and shaped into His image. This requires a daily life of repentance and humility and surrender to, of, of your will to His. It requires it, it's something conscientious, something deliberate that we need to act on. Verse 9, do not curse your parents. Verse 9 says, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. Now, this is way beyond a simple tantrum that a child throws. Everyone agrees with that. All the commentators, all the theologians, everyone who studied the scriptures agrees that this is not a little child throwing a tantrum, throwing himself on the ground. It's not, it's not that at all. This goes way beyond that. This is hatred and anger that comes from an adult child toward their parents or a parent. A condemning attitude, even wishful thinking that went along with pagan practices, hoping for and desiring that death would even come upon their parents. This was threatening to the very life of the parents. But at the same time, a child that was accused of this very thing was not automatically given over to being um, taken out, if you will, by the parent. You know, you've heard it said, I brought you into this world. 
I can take you out of this world, right? That's, that's, you've never heard that? Yeah, you've heard that. No, parents, they didn't have absolute power then either. What was required? That they would be brought before the elders. And this case would be brought before them. They would be presented with all the facts. Because even then, parents did not have absolute power over their children. It was the responsibility of the judging body to hold the child accountable if found guilty. This was very serious before the eyes of the Lord. And I can tell you that it's still serious today. It's not like it's diminished. It's not like, okay, well, this was, this was important back then. But today, we ought to let our children do whatever they'd like to do. If our hearts, the word says, are deceitful and wicked, who can know them? And we know that the, child, the, the heart of a child is the responsibility of the parents. We need to give them direction. We need to teach them what's right. Because we know that they, just as us, have these inclinations toward evil, toward sin. We all have that inclination. We need to teach them how it is, how it was taught in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Teach these things to your children, whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whether you're sleeping. You know, at any time, you need to teach these things to your children. But this was very serious and is very serious even today. This type of action was not to be tolerated within the people of God because if left alone, it could cause generational warfare. And promote an implosion, devastation from within. Matthew 5, 21 and 22 says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be held liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So we know that even, in fact, Jesus took it a step further, didn't he? It's not just the act. See, You see, the act is just um, a revelation of the heart. That's all it is. It's the things that have been built up in the heart, boil over, and out of it comes the act. So he says, don't even, don't even entertain these thoughts. You see, we have these thoughts, and I like to go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 often. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because when we worry, when we're anxious, when we're angry, when we're jealous, when all of those things, that means that we're not allowing the Lord to take our thoughts captive. And we're allowing that to simmer and to build up to the point to where at one point we may act on those things in some way, shape, or form. Already in our hearts, we might be doing the very things that we are desiring to do at some point. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Philippians 4.8 tells us how it is that if there's anything praiseworthy, those are the things that you have to think about. Meditate on that. And if you don't know what's praiseworthy, then you need to get into God's word that much more. There's much to be praiseworthy. You, you, can, you can spend all day from morning to evening, from the time you lift your head up off the, the pillow to the time you lay it back down. You, you can praise God for His grace for His mercy, for His love, for His compassion, for His patience. So much. For His provision. For that hope that we have in Him. And thank Him for His forgiveness. But this has to do with holiness. Again, it continues on down that theme. And also personal integrity before God. Today, there is a problem with respect and honoring of parents. If it's not verbally, it's with attitudes. 
If it's not with attitudes, it's with both of them. And you see it, there's this constant pushing and pulling. And as parents, you know, you need to hold your ground as far as being responsible and we will be held accountable for the upbringing of our children. Both children, it's, it's honoring God when you honor your parents, is what the Bible tells us. Honor your father and your mother. And today within our society, this problem is tearing at the very fabric of it in our country and revealing itself in the disrespect and disregard of all types of authority. We see it all the time. Now, we've covered these following verses previously, so I'm not going to go in detail. I don't believe I have to. I think it's pretty plain and clear what these items are. But this all pertains to sexual immorality. And, And so what we have here are the penalties for all types of sexual immorality, starting with adultery in verse 10. Verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulterer shall surely be put to death. So, the Lord was dealing with adultery at that time. It required, by the way, two witnesses. Two witnesses. And by the way, this rarely actually happened. There was this situation where a woman was accused of adultery. This was covered in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. And she was brought before Jesus and accused of adultery. But there were some questions with this whole scene. Number one, where was the other party? There there was no one else that they had brought before him. Just her. Who exactly caught these two together? And Jesus asked for the one who is willing to initiate the execution to cast the first stone. By the way, he who is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And we know the story. Jesus, he stooped down and, and wrote right in the, in the dirt. And there's speculation as to what he wrote down. But the point of it is, is that no one, they, they all turned away. So even at this point, Jesus, Jesus knew the law, right? How well did he know the law? Perfectly. Yes, he knew it perfectly, right? And he knew there, there was no other witness. There was no one else that came forth. There was no other party. He, he could have uh, quoted chapter and verse, said this is what the Mosaic law says, but he didn't. But this is what, what he was also referring to as he was asking these questions. And he knew what they were getting at too. Because he knows the heart. He's God. But you know, the point of this is that I I would hope today that people took this situation more seriously. Today it's no big deal. And Hollywood paints it in such a way that it just doesn't have any real value anymore. Marriage that is. You can come and go as you please. You get tired of your spouse, you turn her in or him in for uh, maybe a newer model, a different person, until you grow tired of that person and then you go on to the next one, the next one, and the next one. And, and that's basically how it is. There's no value. That's why when I do premarital counseling, the first thing that we get to is why are you, why are you getting married? And you know, everyone, by the way, gives the wrong answer. Everyone. Oh, I just, I love him. I love her. Everything about them completes me. And, you know, I, I don't know. I can't live life without them. Well, what if when that changes or wears off, what then? Oh, it'll never wear out. Oh, it, it, that won't change. Eh, okay. You know what the answer is? Always in marriage. And, th- and this will keep you all the way through, by the way. Is to honor and glorify God. 
That's it. Because when you're in the middle of a passionate discussion, that's code for argument. Or just anything that has that just really tests your relationship, you can say, you know what? You're not the one that I'm looking to to bring me happiness. In fact, your spouse oftentimes is there to make you more holy. Perhaps at, to drive you to the Lord in one way or another. And it's at that time that you, you, you turn to the Lord. Sometimes even parents is not good. I'm not looking to my parents. I'm, I'm looking to just get into the Word of God and just to see what He has for our marriage. If you have that in the center of your marriage, you'll keep going. You can get through things. Glorifying the Lord. So I ask people that. So I, I would hope that, but that's the world. The world doesn't know any better. The church does. We should. That's what we ought to teach the whole counsel of God. Not to neglect to give you the whole counsel of God, but to present you with everything. That's why for me, I, it, I take the responsibility very seriously. That's why we go through the Word of God. By the way, we'll touch on everything that pertains to life and godliness through the Word of God. And so I can say, you know what? I, I'm not guilty of holding back anything from you. It's all there. It's all there. Marriage. So he addresses adultery. Incest is found in verses 11 and 12. He says, If a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with his, daughter, with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. Homosexuality. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes a woman and her mother, also it is depravity. He and they shall be burned with fire, that there may be no depravity among them, among you. Polygamy, right? If a man lies with an animal, bestiality, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. And then various other areas of sexual immorality. If a man takes his sister, a daughter of his father, or a daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace, and they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of their people." He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. If a man lies with a woman during her menstrual period and uncovers her nakedness, he has made naked her fountain, and she has uncovered uncovered the fountain of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from among their people. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or of your father's sister, or that is to make naked one's relative. They shall bear their iniquity." If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sins. They shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. So verses 11 through 16, the consequences are the life of the people who are guilty. That's the bottom line. Those are the consequences. That is what's required of them. Verses 17 through 20 are other forms of sexual immorality. They will be cut off from God's people. They will be exiled and they they shall be childless. Not that anyone submits them to any kind of procedure to cause this to happen. But this is God applied. These are the consequences that God was proclaiming. So like I said, I'm not going to go through that in detail. You guys know exactly what all of those things are. It's sexual immorality. We are to not take part in it. We are not to condone it. We are not to turn the other way when we know it's happening. Within the body, 
That's one of the things that Paul, the Apostle Paul addressed within the church in Corinth. He addressed it. It was all for the sake of the one who was in the middle of it and for the church. You see, again, even, even in that, even now, even before us, again, we see how it is that God says, no, this is how you worship me. This is how you do it. And yet God's grace is absolutely amazing. I mean, if anyone was innocent, that'd be one thing, but no one's innocent. He wishes conviction to come upon his people so that they, that would lead them to repentance. It's not that, so that they would stay in their sin. So that they would confess that sin to the Lord. Repent of it. And then fall into the arms of the Lord and understand His grace that much more and walk in it. And then the final portion is kind of a summary and then some other areas here that he addresses. Verse 22, he says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the people's, You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So, in summary to it, in We're about to next week go into another chapter of holiness for the priests themselves. That's why I say holiness is just a theme of Leviticus coming through. Understanding, knowing how to worship the Lord. How it is that he prescribes that worship to be applied to God. And for us to participate. And here God was was telling, hey listen, people, keep in mind. Keep my word. Keep my commandments. Do Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Have an active faith. Don't just say it. Walk it. He says, I have a special land for you. What they've done, the peoples of the lands, of the land, is detestable before me. I wish that you would be separated unto me. I've told you how. I have chosen you as my people. It's up to you now to walk in my holiness. As I have separated you unto myself, you also have a part in this. You have free will. You have choice. You need to choose to love me. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. God is telling them the same thing. If you, if you love me, you will follow these things. You won't have to deal with the consequences. Why? Because they don't apply to you. You're just walking in this deep love for me. The law, by the way, it only applies to those who break the law. If you don't believe me, go out and test it. With the law of man out there. It only applies to lawbreakers. And so we see God just in a loving way right before us. He tells them to worship Him rightly. How He has prescribed for them to worship Him. A people separated unto God and from the world. And then the last couple verses here. Or verse. A man or a woman who is, uh, who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So just the final word as he continues on with holiness is, hey, listen, 
If you yourself are a medium, are practicing these, the occult, you will be put to death. That ought not to be a part of my people. And if you go to them, you will be cut off. If you're already doing that, you, by the way, you've already cut yourself off anyway. You're, you're, not, you're not walking with the Lord. You know, a person who says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm doing all these other things. Well, do you know that all of those other things have nothing to do with the Lord? In fact, he, he warns against those things. Oh, yeah, but I have the freedom to do that. I'm a Christian by grace, right? No, 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 no. We demonstrate, again, our love for the Lord as we keep His commandments. We obey Him. And so that's why, as far as these mediums and necromancers, um, whether one be one within the Israelites, that person was put to death, that, that should not be a part um, of God's children, of God's people. And if you go to one, then you'd be cut off from the people. But again, they, they were not there to begin with. And so the whole point of it, again, what is it? It's holiness. Be holy, God says, for I am holy. Remain holy. Do not practice what the world says is okay. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not about the majority. In fact, I've heard it said, one with the Lord is a majority. Right. Let's walk with Him. Know what pleases God and walk in His Word. Faithfully unto Him, trusting that He has the words of eternal life. Who else is there? There's no one else. He loves us with an everlasting love. And we have before us here God's Word. That again, I say it every week. Even in the Old Testament, we see His love, we see His grace, we see His mercy, and how He's spelling out to His people, this is how you worship me. Worship me. Father, we need all kinds of help. Lord, we need to be reminded of this often. Thank you that you have given us these big, huge signs that are red, that are sometimes yellow, warning us of consequences of certain actions. Lord, this, is, this is wisdom here as we apply your knowledge to everyday real life. All to honor and glorify you. To communicate to other people that we belong to you. To honor you. And so, Lord, may you teach us your word. May you help us understand it. Applying it to our lives, to your glory. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.